Good morning and welcome to our Monday morning chapel. Please join me in the prayer for Monday morning. You'll find that on page 168 in the front portion of your hymnary, the prayer for Monday morning. And we join our hearts and voices together. At the beginning of the week, I cry to you. that you would fill my heart and mind with your Holy Spirit, that I may think, speak, and do only that which pleases you. Unite my thoughts and desires with yourself in the love of Jesus Christ. Cleanse my conscience with his blood, that I may grow in you this entire week, yes, all the days of my life. Strengthen me with your might, Make me sincere in my love to you and willing to serve you and my neighbor. Teach me to resist the temptation of my own corrupt heart and the enticements of evil men. Make the vanity of this world bitter to me that you may become the more sweet. Teach me also to bear the burden of this week. Lead me as a loving father and help me to follow you as your child and obey you. Bless all my labor and guide me with your wisdom, that I may be cheerful and confident and also faithful in all my work. Be the beginning and the end of all my labor, to your glory and my salvation. Amen.
Our scripture reading today for our meditation is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, sometimes referred to as the Heroes of Faith chapter. And if you recall, this chapter uh, goes through a number of the saints and uh, various things that they endured while in this earth. And then we pick up the reading with verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, and truly if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> More than a dozen years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I walked into the mail room over here at, in the Old Main, and there was a, an enormous box about the size of the uh, pulpit here, an enormous box uh, full of potato chips, little bags of potato chips. They were dill pickle-flavored potato chips. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And I discovered that uh, one, of the, one of the ladies who worked here um, had a son who had actually was a Bethany graduate and was now in, at the, uh, in the army and was serving in Afghanistan in a war zone and had mentioned to his mom, it would be wonderful if you could send some dill pickle-flavored potato chips. So she had done that. And apparently all of the other soldiers over there with him in his troop um, were, were uh, trying to get some more of these. So he said, send some more. So we sent hundreds of bags of these potato chips over to them. It was interesting, just that flavor, something they couldn't get over there, reminded them so much of home. And um, my dad, during World War II, worked in the Chicago post office. And he said that people would put in even uh, fragments or little sprinklings of pipe tobacco in the envelopes that maybe the dad smoked at home, uh, or little newspaper clippings from home. Uh, even, even though they got the newspapers over in France or whatever, sometimes months late, it didn't matter. Uh, that connection to home, that connection to a place where you belong was so strong and powerful. Maybe in your res hall room right now or apartment, you've got something that reminds you of home. And that, that longing to finally go back, and hopefully you have a nice home life to go home to, but that longing to, to go back to some place where you belong is, is very strong and powerful in us. And that's certainly true for us in this world that we live in with our families and things. But the text before us is describing that same thing that takes place inside of us in the spiritual realm, uh, in our spiritual lives. By faith in Christ, having been brought to faith in him as our Savior, we now belong to a different group, a different family in this world that has a different final destination, a country that we belong to that we haven't seen yet, and that is a heavenly country. And that happens in us as soon as we are connected to Christ. As soon as that faith is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that causes us to, to cherish the forgiveness of sins that he won for every one of us, to cherish the holy, perfect record of righteousness that we now have because of him before God, 
uh, that very faith that grabs onto all of that is the thing inside of us that also causes us to love each other as Christians and also causes us to have a common goal that we're working toward of going to heaven someday. Our text says, they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. There's a built-in longing for us, a desire to, to finally all be together in that perfect home. St. Paul said it this way in one of his letters, our citizenship is in heaven, and I love this, and we eagerly await a savior from there. If you remember in the Old Testament, the great Joseph story in the book of Genesis, and how he was sold off into slavery and ended up living in this foreign land of Egypt, raised among all the false gods there and everything. Finally, his family comes to be with him. He's risen to a position of power in Egypt. And before he dies, it's interesting, he tells his brothers to promise him that they will take his bones back to Canaan to be buried with his forefathers and with the fellow believers. He was even, even wanting his deathbed to be finally resting where, uh, where fellow believers would be found. Our life in this world as Christians is connected uh, likewise to our fellow believers in Christ, fellow citizens of heaven. About seven or eight times I've had the privilege of worshiping in foreign countries, quite often in a church service that, of a language that I didn't know. And sometimes I had to have it translated in front of me. And what's interesting is the, 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 the elements to that church service, the readings, the prayers, the liturgy, the hymns, were all uh, very fitting of, of my liturgical life in, in, my, uh, in my worship life. And even though I didn't understand the words in a lot of, a lot of the cases, um, there was still a connection that was, that was felt there and embraced there among fellow Christians. There's an, a natural built-in gravity toward each other, a magnetic, magneticism between Christians to want to be together and to gather around God's word and sacraments. And even though we can sometimes feel walked on by this world and irrelevant in the eyes of the world, um, we have this wonderful support group, if you will, of each other around God's word and sacraments. And we're willing in this world, by faith, to be called foreigners, we're willing to be thought of as people that don't really belong here even though this is where we're living and where we've grown up and we know everything about this world too. And even though we've never even been to the place where we're going, we consider ourselves foreigners to this land. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Having never lived in heaven, we've never been there, not a single one of us. And yet we consider ourselves belonging there more than here and this is a foreign location to us. The challenge, though, becomes that here we are living as citizens of heaven in a place that we have not yet seen. And many of the stuff in this world, in this life, can be very powerfully alluring to us. Can make us want to maybe give up that citizenship because there seem to be such great advantages here. A commentator by the name of Paul Kretzmann said this, Members of Christ's church hail God's promises from afar like people on board of a ship are waving recognition to a group of friends on shore. And the fact that, the fact that we have this distance between us and that final home we're going to, and we know that's where we belong, but the fact that we're on this ship now of this world, 
hoping to get to that destination of heaven, um, sudden, sometimes the things of this world, the ship itself, can be pretty alluring for us. And we can be distracted with all the different things that we can get in this life, all the stuff that we can acquire. And we can convince ourselves sometimes, I've got a long ways to wait until we finally reach that shore. And we can start to fall in love with the ship that we're on. Christian faith, one of the challenges of it is that it has an invisible goal. It has an invisible goal. The world's goals are very visible. They are right here, right now, and they seem to give us so much right here and right now, even though in the end, they end up as sand. It also puts us at odds with our sinful human flesh. It puts us at odds with the desires inside of us that want to enjoy this world and to think of it as the place where I really belong. And we start to question ourselves sometimes as Christians. What if, what if putting things off in my life now in order to live for that future home, what if that all ends up being empty promises? What if it's all futile? What if this faith that I have in God and in his grace and all of that, what if, what if that really isn't true? Have I just wasted and blown my whole life? Think of all the things I'm missing out on. Those are the kinds of challenging temptations that my heart and my faith can come up with. And the members of the world, the ones who love the ship, they love to ridicule us for this. They shake their heads at us and wonder, why in the world would you want to spend your life worrying about something you can't even see, where you've never even been? When I was a student at Minnesota State University in Mankato here, um, about my junior year in college at the end of that was when I started thinking about becoming a pastor. At the time, I was in an art program, and uh, I, had, I had one teacher in there who was a Christian, and there were probably five or six others that were not. And I announced to a group of them one day that I had changed my mind about my major and I was probably now going to go back and take my languages and start studying to become a seminary student and head toward the ministry. I would still finish out my degree over there. And this one professor looked at me and he said, why would you waste your life on that? <laughs> why would you waste your life? Why are you guys wasting your life on that, right? That's, that's the temptation. That's the temptation for us in this world. But heavenly citizens aspire to something greater than anything that this life has to author, offer. That's why the final line of our text says, God has planned something better for us. That's an awesome line. Just let that one sink down in your mind and heart today. God has planned something better for us than anything we can have here in this world. Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And notice how the author of Hebrews here connects all of this to you. I'm going to read it again. He's talking about these fellow believers. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised in this life. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. He puts you in the text. Do you notice that? He puts you in the text. It's for us, so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. Whenever God talks to you and me in Scripture about heaven, it is with absolute positive certainty to those who are holding on to Christ. Notice, God has prepared a city for them. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
When a couple finally gets to walk out of a realtor's office, having signed the last papers on a new house that they get, and they finally get the keys in their hand, and the house is now being paid off, and they have the keys, and they're walking up to that front door, even before they get to the front steps, they already possess it. It is legally theirs. The payment for you to go to heaven has already, been taken, has already taken place on the cross through the blood of Christ. And through the gift of faith and in your baptism, God has handed you the keys to the home of everlasting life in heaven. Live for opening that door and going through it and seeing what an amazing place God has prepared for you. Amen. Please rise for prayer. <clears throat> Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the wonderful hope of heaven that you have given us. We pray that nothing would deter us from holding on to our Savior and someday finding out the blessings you have for us in our eternal home. Keep us steadfast in this faith throughout our lives, that we may someday sing your praises forevermore. Amen. May the God of your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen. <clears throat>